Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Hey there, welcome to episode seven of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to you about anxiety and school refusal because they go so hand in hand. And I talked about this in episode three, when we talked about uncommon signs of child anxiety. And I had mentioned in that episode that I was going to spend an entire episode on school refusal because it really deserves an entire episode of its own. And so here it is. I see more kids in my practice for school refusal than really almost any other issue. And I think that's because when your child is starting to refuse to go to school, that's when you're like, oh, great, we need to we need to get some professional help. This has gotten way out of control. My child's not even going to school. And I think that's why I see so many kids who are at that level because I specialize in anxiety. And if your child's not going to school because of it, you're going to go seek a child therapist. And so I see kids every day with these issues. And there are a couple of things that I notice that parents can really do to help the situation and get the ball rolling in the right direction. And so I'm going to be talking about four tips that you can do starting today to get your kid back in school. And hopefully they're already still in school, but they're having some struggles because as the problem gets worse and they're not going to school at all, it takes that much more time to get them back in school. So for starters, we have to talk about why is your child refusing to go to school? Yes, it's anxiety, but what is it about going to school that's causing them the stress? A lot of times parents don't even figure that part out, even when they come to me. They're like, I don't know why she won't go to school. I know she's nervous. She has nothing to be nervous about. So I have no idea what it is. So if that is you, if you're like, yes, Natasha, I don't even know why he won't go to school. We have to know why before we can even begin to talk about how to help him. I can tell you some very common reasons why. Sometimes parents get super stuck on the common reasons why kids don't want to go to school. And so they worry about being, kids are being bullied or their teachers being mean, or they don't have any friends. And if your child has anxiety and this has popped up out of the blue, it may not be for any of those reasons. Those are all really good reasons to initially explore and check them off your list. And if you're getting a zero on all of those, then look into these other issues that I'm about to talk about because anxiety doesn't have to make sense. And your children can just all of a sudden develop an anxiety about going to school that is completely not related to school. So there are three most common anxieties that manifest in school refusal. And that is separation anxiety, fear of throwing up and test anxiety. Those are the three most common reasons why kids refuse to go to school when they have anxiety. Now, that's not to say that there aren't a zillion other reasons why kids might be afraid to go to school. I'm just telling you about the most common ones. And so the first step is you want to address your child's fear. You can't start talking about being proactive and setting up plans with the school and with your child without addressing the actual core fear that's driving them to not want to go to school. Now, I'm not going to really go into massive detail in this podcast, in this episode, about how to help your child address the fear, because that, again, is a totally 
separate episode in and of itself. I'll just briefly touch on some high points that are important to maybe help your child. I'll just touch on a few areas that you can work on with your child. And if you want to explore that further, you can look at my parenting e-course, how to teach your kids to crush anxiety, or you can go on my website at anxioustoddlers.com and click the child anxiety tab on the top. And I have tons of articles. So, and I also wrote a book called anxiety sucks because it does. And that is really geared towards 11 kids, 11 year olds and up. And you can, you know, you can give that to your child and that will also teach them how to fight their fears. So there's a lot of tools out there. I'm just not going to go into it in this podcast. So address your child's fear. If they're afraid of separating from you, often that's because they think that something bad's going to happen to you when they're not around, or they think that something bad's going to happen to them if you're not with them. And sometimes it's a little bit of both. And so explore that with your child, say to your child, what's the worst thing that can happen when you're at school or what's the worst part about going to school? And then they might say to you, well, I'm afraid that I'm not going to be with you. If separation anxiety is their issue, or if throwing up is their issue, they might say, I'm just afraid that I might get sick when I'm at school, or I just don't feel good when I'm at school. If it's test anxiety, then they might say something like, well, I'm just afraid to take a test or I'm afraid I'm going to fail, or I just don't like school on Fridays. And then you want to progress with that questioning and say, well, what, what's the worst part about being separated from me? Well, I'm worried like about you. What are you doing during the day? What if you get in a car accident? What if you forget to pick me up? If they worry about themselves, they might say, I don't know. What if something bad happens while I'm at school? What if someone shoots up the school or what if we have a lockdown? If they're worried about throwing up, they might say something like, what if I get sick and I can't come home? Or what if I see someone sick? What if I don't feel well all day and I still have to keep going to school? If they're worried about test anxiety, they might say, well, Fridays are the worst day because we have to take our spelling test. So when you ask a basic question, like what's the worst thing about school or what's the worst thing that can happen when you're at school, you're going to get a total window into their anxiety theme and what is causing that stress for them. And so once you know that you want to tackle that worry with them and give them what I call, because I'm really weird, (laughs) green thoughts. So if the worry causes them red thoughts, like I'm going to throw up or my mom's going to get in a car accident, or I'm going to fail a test and fail out of life. You want to tell them those are red thoughts that their worry gives them. And they want to develop green thoughts to fight those worries, those red thoughts. And so the green thought might be, well, you know, my mom says that she's home all day. My mom says that she drives safely. My mom says that she'll never forget to pick me up because she has um, a little alarm on her phone. And that makes me feel better because I know that it's going to go off and she'll always come and get me. Or for fear of throwing up, it might be something like, you know, I can go to the nurse if I'm feeling sick. And I know that my anxiety is making me feel nauseous, but I'm going to be okay. I can bring mints with me and go to the nurse if I need to. Or if it's test anxiety, a green thought might be something like, it's okay if I don't do well on one test. It's not going to be the end of the world. As long as I try my best, that's okay. And I'm giving you very basic green thoughts to combat their red thoughts because it's going to be different for every kid. And it's not going to be like one green thought and then boom, oh, magically their anxiety is better. But that is 
That is the method that I use with kids to combat their red thoughts, their anxious thoughts. And I also name it because I feel like it's very helpful to have kind of like an enemy that you're fighting. And so if your anxiety is called the dictator, a lot of older kids I work with, you know, they will name their anxiety, you know, dictator, um, or all sorts of things. Little kids will name it like a Mr. Worry or Mr. Worry Cloud, and it helps them externalize their anxiety and fight it and target it outside of themselves. I have one child that has some social anxiety and we talk about her dictator and how her dictator doesn't want her to go to school because her dictator says that she's going to be uncomfortable. And so she'll come home and she'll say, you know, I, I crushed the dictator today. I didn't listen to the dictator. You know, he's not going to tell me what to do. And so sometimes it can be a very empowering tool, but you have to know what's right for your child. So, you know, whatever tools resonate with your child, those are obviously the tools to use and they're going to be different for each kid. So step number one, address your child's fears. So talk to your child about their fears and check in with them often. You want to process how their day went. You know, did they have red thoughts? Did they fight them with green thoughts? How did it go? So you're constantly checking in if they want to. Okay. Tip two is you want to team up with the school. This is a very debilitating behavior. School refusal can spiral out of control really quickly. I've seen kids come into my practice who, you know, just cried in the mornings before school because they didn't want to go. And it escalated to the point where they were not going to school for weeks on end within a month. I mean, it can get out of control before you feel like you have a handle on it. And so you want to talk to the school and team up with them as soon as possible. And every school is different. Some people just have an administration. Sometimes there's a school counselor or a social worker or a guidance counselor or a psychologist. Who knows? Talk to your school and let them know that your child's having anxiety and that it's manifesting in school refusal and see what they can do to help you. Now, the accommodations will look different for each child. If it's really severe and your child hasn't been in school for like two weeks, you know, maybe at that point you need to have a 504 plan. So if you're in the U.S., because I know that people listen to this podcast all over the world, but if you're in the U.S., you know, we have something called the 504 plan at most schools, and they can make accommodations for you based on those plans. So talk to your school about what they need to do in order to help. Now, that might look different depending on what the fear is. So let's say your child has separation anxiety. So sometimes drop-off is the hardest part with separation anxiety, and you can make a plan with the school because it's that handoff from getting them out of the car to getting them to school. That is the hardest part of the day for most parents and obviously for their children too. So if you talk to the school and you say, can I walk my daughter in and can she like hang out with the counselor for a few minutes? And then can the counselor walk her to class or when they're like in kindergarten or first grade, sometimes the families I work with will talk to the school and we'll make a plan and say, you know, can little Johnny, come to the classroom. Can I walk him into your classroom? And can you hang out with him before you go pick up the other kids or before the other kids arrive? And that is huge because it's in that drop-off where you're like in the drop-off lane or you're in the parking lot and your child's like, I'm not getting out of the car. Does that sound familiar? 
And then you feel like a bad parent because like, what are you supposed to do with that? Should you drag them out? Should you drag them out kicking and screaming? Should you just give up and go home? You know, you're kind of left with a lose-lose situation at that point. It's not a feel-good moment. And then you leave the rest of the day feeling really guilty and bad because your child was kicking and screaming when you left him and when you dropped him off. So teaming up with the school can really help with that because even though your child might not be like gung-ho to go, it will be better if they're not in the drop-off lane, if that's how your school works. You go in early and they have a a familiar surrogate mom. I kind of like to refer to it. You need to find a surrogate mom at your school that's warm and fuzzy and can take your child and you can have a hand to hand drop off, which means you go in there, you walk your daughter in or your son in and you drop them into the hands of this surrogate mom so that they feel like they're taken care of. So team up with a school. They can also help if your child is afraid they're going to throw up, team up with the nurse. Now, anxious kids do love the nurse because they are always feeling sick and want to go home, but the nurse actually could be your friend as well because you can say to the nurse, you know, she has anxiety and so she feels nauseous, but she's not sick. And if she can feel like safe, that she can come in here and lay down for a few minutes, regroup, and then go back out, she's going to feel a hundred times better because the ultimate goal is trying to get your child to get through the day. If they don't get through the day and their anxiety wins, the dictator wins, then the dictator is stronger the next day and will have a more likely, will have a better chance of winning the next day and then a better chance of winning the next day. And it gets stronger and stronger until it's dominating and you don't want that. So that's how I explain it to kids. I say, I know you don't want to go to school, but your anxiety, your dictator, your Mr. Worry, whatever you want to call it. He definitely doesn't want you to go to school. And when you don't go to school, he wins and he gets bigger and he gets stronger. So the more you can show up to the battle and fight, the smaller your dictator is going to be. And you don't want your dictator to win. So even if you have to just go to school and go to the first period and then come home, you still won because you at least showed up and went to school. And that will look different for everyone as far as what a win is. For some kids, just getting to school for a little while is a victory. For other kids, it might be staying the entire day. For other kids, it might not be missing a day for the entire week. It just depends on where your child is at. So you want to teach your kids. I went on a tangent, (laughs) but I was talking about teaming up with the school. So the last thing I want to mention on that was testing. So if your child is having test anxiety, They only want to miss school on test days or presentation days. Then you can talk to the teacher and the school administration and make a special plan for your child. So some of the anxious kids I work with will test in a separate room at a separate time and won't be timed if it's a time test. And sometimes, you know, tests aren't timed, but you have that period to do it, which is technically a time. So see what the school can do to accommodate that. The other thing is if your child's having panic over like presentations, there's a lot of kids I worked with where the teacher has made accommodations and the child will either video the presentation or they will present it alone after school. So schools can be flexible, especially if you stress to them like, hey, my kid's not even showing up to school because they are so stressed. 
they'll hear that. Well, in an ideal world, they'll hear that there's definitely schools that are not that great, but you do have a right as a parent to advocate and get accommodations for your child when they have child anxiety. So hopefully that goes smoothly for you. Up next, we'll be covering tip three and tip four. We're going to talk about how to motivate your child and how to address anxiety outside of the classroom. Stay tuned. You're listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Okay, for tip three, it's important, and this is going to seem like a bandaid on a bullet hole, but it is really helpful. Once you've already addressed your child's fear, you are very knowledgeable about how to empower them and give them tools so your child is armed and dangerous with tons of anxiety tools, and if not, get them the tools. You've teamed up with the school. They have a 504 plan or a special plan in place to accommodate their anxiety and make them feel less stressed. Then it's time to add the carrot. And I have seen this be very effective if tip one and tip two are done first. If tip one and tip two haven't been done first, you can forget about what I'm about to tell you because it's not going to work. You can't motivate somebody who doesn't have the skills and the tools to work through their anxiety and the knowledge of what anxiety is. They really need to know what anxiety is and how it's fed. It's fed by avoiding. It's fed by avoiding school. So the more they avoid school, the more it's fed. So another tangent, I'm sorry. (laughs) I do that. So set up what I like to call a challenge prize box. And this will look different for every child, but find what motivates your child and then say to them, you can earn blah, blah, blah. If you're able to go through school without coming home today, or it might look like you can earn blah, blah, blah. If you go to school all week without staying home, it's going to look different for each kid because there are kids that come into my office and they literally can't get to school. And so for them, they're going to get a reinforcer. They're going to get a challenge prize every day. And there's other kids that are doing okay, but they struggle getting to school, but a weekly prize would be perfectly fine for them. So ask your child, like say to them, I know that it's really hard to be your dictator. I know that Mr. Worry, and I'm using these words interchangeably to show you the different names that you can use, but I know that Mr. Worry is very powerful and very strong and is very upsetting. And so when you battle him and you go to school anyway, and you face your fears and you squash him, I feel like you deserve a prize for that. And so every day when you get home, if you were able to squash your worries, you're going to get a prize from the challenge prize box. And that is very rewarding. I've seen kids make a lot of progress when they're given this extra incentive. And it makes sense. You know, if I was afraid of heights and you told me to go up the high dive and bounce off, I would be like, um, no, thank you. That doesn't sound like fun to me. But if you put like a $500 bill on the top of the high dive and you're like, Natasha, we know that you're afraid. But if you go up to the high dive, you can get the $500 bill. Okay, honestly, I might be a little bit more motivated. And so I might go up the high dive. And while I'm doing that, I'm going to be using my skills. It's okay. I'm not going to fall. I can do this. And then if I do that a bunch of times, it's a very expensive high dive. I'm going to desensitize myself. And eventually I might say to myself, you know what? It's not that bad. I'm getting used to it. I am learning how to overcome this fear. That's the thought behind 
the reinforcers in the challenge prize box is not that the prize is really going to fix the issue, but it's going to be an added motivator to encourage your child to use those skills because sometimes fear and anxiety will win all the time. You can try to punish your child and say, you're not going to be able to go out. If you don't get to school, you're losing all electronics. Yeah. Good luck with that. Because if you told me, you know, something bad was going to happen, if I didn't go up the high dive, I might be like, you know what? I really don't care. I don't want to go. It's not going to happen. So reinforcers definitely work better than consequences or discipline when it's, when it's a fear or an anxiety. The last tip I want to talk about is to set up challenges outside of school. And this is really important because a lot of times these fears are showing up, not just in school, but everywhere in their life. And school is going to be the ultimate test, but there are situations that you can actually work on at home to make things better. Because if they can't even be in another room by themselves, how on earth are they going to be able to go to school by themselves? You see what I'm saying? Or if they're afraid of throwing up and they can't go to a restaurant because they're afraid of throwing up, how are they going to go to a school cafeteria and have lunch? Test anxiety is a little bit different. That one's a little bit trickier. I mean, it's more about perfectionism. I will share an article that I wrote on perfectionism and how to help kids with that in the show notes, because that's a whole nother conversation and it's more subtle. You can't really set up challenges per se for perfectionism, but um, I'll link that article so that you can read that and talk about, and you can learn parenting approaches on how to address that. But you can do something for separation anxiety, and you can do something if your child is afraid to go out because they're going to throw up. So for separation anxiety, that needs to be worked on at home because I can pretty much guess what's going on at your house. I bet your child is probably afraid maybe to go to sleep over at someone else's house. And I bet they're sleeping in your bed. You're like, whoa, Natasha, she's psychic. How does she know that? I know that because I have seen a zillion of you come into my office and tell me the exact same thing. That's what separation anxiety looks like. They don't want to leave you and they definitely don't want to sleep without you. And so you could start subtly working on those things. Now, I'm not saying you have to work on the sleep issue because actually that is even worse than the school refusal. That is another total separate episode. But if your child won't go places without you, you know, maybe they won't, maybe they will, maybe they'll go with a grandparent or an aunt, but they're not going to go with their friend, or maybe they will go with their friend, but they definitely wouldn't do a sleepover. You can do those um, challenges outside of the school arena and tackle her anxiety that way as well. And so set up challenges. If she is afraid to go to another room without you, then you might say, Hey, you can earn a challenge prize from the prize box. If you go hang out in your room for 30 minutes and you don't call for me. Okay. So that's an example of a child who's really extreme and you have to be an eyesight. If your child's afraid to go over to their friend's house, you might say, if you go to your friend's house for an hour, you can earn a challenge prize. Or if they're afraid when you leave, I have some kids where when the mom leaves to go hang out with her friends, the child is calling and texting all the time. So you might say, okay, I'm going to leave for two hours. I'm not going to tell you where I'm going and you're not allowed to text me and you have to stay here with your dad or the babysitter. And that helps them work through their anxiety. And then you come back and you say, what green thoughts did you have? What tools did you use? 
I'm so proud of you. You didn't call me or text me. Here's your prize from the challenge prize box. So those give you some examples. Now, those may not resonate with you. Maybe your child can do all those things, but there's probably something with separation anxiety that they can't do. So find their challenge and then set up challenges and ask them if they want to take a challenge. And when you tackle anxiety from both ends, from school and from home, you're much more likely to make progress. Now, if your child is afraid to go out to eat or go into public places because they're afraid they're going to throw up, then you do the same thing. You set up a challenge. Hey, would you like to go out to eat? You can earn a prize from the challenge prize box and then reinforce what tools they used when they went out there. So I hope this is making sense to you. This is a long process, but a simple approach. And so the magic is not in the approach. The magic is in the consistency and sticking with it because your child's going to have setbacks. Um, kids that have separation anxiety and don't want to go to school, they don't want you to work on their anxiety. They're like the number one enemy. Besides the dictator, they're number two because they'll fight me just as much as the dictator will. They will fight their parents and anyone else who's trying to get them to fight their anxiety because they would just rather be with you. All these kids would rather just be homeschooled. And although I'm not against homeschooling in general, you know, I think that's a great thing for lots of kids for the anxious kid who's refusing to go to school. Homeschooling is like the death of the battle. It's like the dictator has completely won. And now I get that there are kids that I've worked with that the parents have no other choice. The child has completely refused to go to school and they've had to homeschool them because they need to get an education. And I get that. I totally understand the struggle. But in an ideal world, I'm just saying your ultimate goal should be to get them back to some sort of school because what has happened with a lot of kids I've worked with is once they're homeschooled, then it balloons even further. Now they're afraid to go anywhere. Now they're afraid to go out to eat. Now they're afraid to go to their friend's house. Now they're afraid to leave their house and get out of their comfort zone. And you may not notice that. It might be subtle at first, but kids will tell me, yeah, I just don't want to go. And sometimes parents will misconstrue that as they're lazy or they're a homebody. They just don't want to go. But when I talk to the kids, a lot of times it's because of that anxiety is still there. And there are kids that I work with that are in their twenties that they don't leave their house. And it all started maybe in seventh or eighth grade when they had this anxiety about throwing up or being separated from their parent and they were homeschooled. And so not to alarm you, but that's why I say it's good to try to get your kids back to some sort of school setting. Well, that will do it for today's episode. Uh, If you want to check out the parenting e-course that teaches you how to teach your child to beat their anxiety, you can visit anxioustoddlers.com backslash PSP dash zero zero seven. And I will leave a link at the bottom that goes into at least 10 therapy sessions of what I teach kids in my office and condenses them and gives the parents the tools, which I think is so important. So you can definitely check that out. And also anxiety sucks. A teen survival guide is a great book to throw at your children to read. I gave it to my 13 year old recently when she was having a hard time and I was actually surprised at how effective it was for her because I didn't, I never had to use it personally. So that was really eye opening. So you can check out those. And if you're finding these helpful, please leave a review. It's a new podcast and those reviews definitely help get the word out. And if you're into showing gratitude, that is the number one to show it for me. 
So until next time, I hope you find the sparkle in every day and I will talk to you in a few days. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.